0: Thanks for being here with us today on this wonderful day. It's a little bit chilly out there, but we are in uh, this this series called Greater Love, and it's so fitting today that we're talking about love because of today being Valentine's Day. So if you woke up this morning and you were searching for love or uh, your spouse didn't get you the thing that you wanted, uh, you're in the right place, right? Because we're here to give you some love and hopefully... You will show them some grace also, by the way, if, if you didn't get everything you wanted on this day. Uh, but, but we're going to be talking about love. We've been talking about love uh, from a different aspect. You see, in the English language, we use the word love flippantly, and we talk about it for all kinds of different varying degrees and different meanings. Well, we decided if we want to find out what love is, we should go back to the biblical meaning, not just what comes out of our mouths or what the world says about love. And so last week we talked about the greatest kind of love, which is agape love. That is the love from God, a self sacrificial love. And we did that first because without understanding that love, we wouldn't be able to understand the how to use and to properly convey the other ty- kinds of loves that we are going to talk about. Now, these loves are in the Greek language because the Bible uh, around Jesus' time in the New Testament was written in Greek. And so there are several different Greek words for Love and today we're gonna talk about Eros love. Okay, and so an interesting thing before we get into Eros love is it's gonna get a little bit PG 13 up in here. And so if you got if you have some kids or whatever that you're you're not sure if they're ready to hear some of this stuff, I'm gonna keep it biblical, trust me. But I just am warning you right now, you know, the S word is gonna be used a couple of times. (laughs) So anyway. Eros love, Eros love, let's just get right into the definition of what Eros love is. It is physical intimacy between a husband and a wife in marriage. It's a gift from God. Now, I want to unpack that in just a moment, but let me tell you a little bit about this word Eros. Um, Uh, it has been distorted over the years and generations and the millennia by different cultures. And as a matter of fact, in the Greek culture, Uh, it was so distorted in the way that they used it because they were a pagan religion and they believed in all these kinds of different gods and they used different weird worship rituals to worship their gods. And part of that had to do with physical intimacy, but they didn't really necessarily care about the marriage aspect of it, right? And so this word was used a lot in their language describing different lovers they had, right? And different lustful fantasies and orgies that would be played out, okay? And so with that in mind, I want you to understand that this word eros is scarcely used in the Bible for that reason, because it was so distorted, the New Testament writers didn't want to include it in the Bible. Uh, There are three places in the New Testament you can find it, and it's not actually talking directly about this type of love. It's actually a man's name, Erastus whom his name means beloved, and it comes from this root word. But in the Old Testament, um, it was written in Hebrew, okay, but... Uh, the the Jewish people at the time of Jesus also would have spoken in, in several different languages. They spoke in Greek, and so what they did was they translated the Old Testament into Greek as well. That's called the Septuagint, okay? That's called the Septuagint, and in that, we can find this word used in the Old Testament uh, a little more often, talking about delight and desire and being... Uh, loving between husband and wife. And we're going we're gonna to look at that here today in a book that we believe is totally devoted to this word eros. And that is this book called The Song of Songs, or The Song of Solomon. And what this is, it's a book it doesn't often get preached about in uh, in churches, but it's a book uh, in the Old Testament that Solomon, whom all, is the son of David, who also wrote a lot of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, uh, he he wrote this or this is a book and it's almost plays out like a poem or a play where it's him and his wife and there's some onlookers and if you go read it it has these different parts like if you were reading parts of a play like a, a narrative of a play it's got him speaking then her speaking and then the crowd speaking or whoever's watching at the time and it's really devoted to this 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 love that we're talking about this Eros physical intimacy uh, that is meant to be between a husband and wife um, in marriage. And so let's get to the first couple of verses just so you can understand. This is Solomon's song of songs, more wonderful than any other. Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom, okay? And so with the first verses right off of the bat, you can tell where this is going, right? It's, it's It started with some foreplay and it's leading into the bedroom, right? And it's going to be talking about that throughout the entire thing. But it's not just about sex, and it's not just about uh, that type of a thing. It's also about a strong, passionate type of love, right? A, a love that uh, uh, causes us to desire uh, the loved ones in our lives, even the loved one that we are married to. But before we jump into the song of songs, let me bring, bring us back to my point, which is that it's meant to be enjoyed between a husband and wife, and it's a gift from God. Let me give you context as to why I can say that sex is meant to be enjoyed as a gift between a husband and a wife. And we're going to have to go to the very beginning of the Bible where God created man and woman. And there was this awesome ceremony before I show you the verse and we walk through it. You know, God created man and it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so he caused him to fall into a deep sleep. And uh, he, he, took a rib from out of his side and closed up the flesh. And from this w- rib from the man, he made and fashioned a woman. And her name was Eve. And, and then it goes on to say, At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my f- flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now, that is an awesome marriage ceremony, right? And mine wasn't like that. <laughs> I don't think any of us, any of our marriages will ever be able to attain to the first marriage ceremony that came about where God was present, right? It was the only two human beings and he, he makes them and he makes the woman out of him and, and brings them back together into one. And so that's what this is really uh, proclaiming to us today is that God meant for man and woman, right? Two genders that he made, man and woman, to be together, joined into union uh, for, for, till death do us part. And so it, it gives us that example of this, this commitment in marriage but it also gives us the the Eros example of when they come into one that is a that is an analogy of how they are united together how they're meant to stay together And it also brings in the beauty of physical intimacy, and every time man and woman come together in their marriage, it is expressing the oneness in which God designed for this love to be carried out, okay? And so now you can see and you can probably understand how this has gotten distorted over the years and in our culture, in a a time where everybody uh, doesn't really believe in in commitment, right? And, And... and it's where people believe whatever they want. We have to go back to the creator to find out how to properly exercise eros love. And so, before, again, before we get into Song of Songs, another verse. Uh, this kind of proclaims that it's a gift from God and it is meant to be enjoyed. See, God created it and he wants us to enjoy it in the proper way place, which is in a marriage relationship, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Okay, and so this is actually Solomon in the Proverbs again saying, use this as a gift. This is a gift from God. And that word, satisfy, would be a word that's related to our eros word today. Let your wife or your husband, your spouse, satisfy you, right? Take this as a blessing, it says, as as a, a gift from me, remembering that you are one and I made you that way, right? And so as we look into the Song of Songs, it's this whole committed, passionate type of love and we're not going to read the whole thing. I would encourage you guys to go read a lot of this by yourselves or with your spouse to kind of get an idea of what God meant with this this type of love that he gave us as a gift. But it is meant to be like a covenant in a marriage. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. That's the last chapter in the Song of Songs, and it it is. Uh, this is speaking of a covenant, a seal on something means it's not to be taken off, right? It is it is sealed up, right? And 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 it endures to death. That's why in marriages we say, um, uh, what what is the saying? I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Till death do us part. That's what it is. That's why we say it, right? Because. This type of love goes until death, to its part to the to the grave. There is a certain jealousy in that committed relationship, right? I'm not talking about unhealthy jealousy. Okay, I used to be very uh, unhealthy when it came to jealousy. Like for the first couple years in our marriage, probably because I've had a crazy past or whatever. But I was like super, super weird. You know, I would, I would like you know get all uh straight up and like get wide when men were looking at my wife and stuff right and i would uh wonder where she's going and and all this type of stuff you know and that was the unhealthy jealousy maybe you've experienced that maybe you do that right now uh there's a lot of grace here by the way but God is a jealous God, and there is a healthy jealousy, uh, and, and it, is, it is this jealousy that God portrays in his perfection, how he has a covenant with us, and he is jealous when we go after other gods, and in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that's also called adultery. When we have idols and we put other gods before him, that is adultery. And he likens it to that because he has this covenant with us. And so he is jealous. There's an an anger when the covenant between God and his people um, can get broken. And there's also an anger, a healthy anger that keeps a marriage together, a willingness to fight for the marriage again, and we'll, we'll, we see that in this book. I do want you to understand that maybe you're here today and you're like, man, this is weird. I'm not married, you know? And uh, I, how does this apply to me? I want you to understand that it does in many different ways. One of them, in which we're going to talk about towards the end, is how this book is also looked at as an analogy in the passionate, fiery love that God has for you. And for me, we'll get into that in just a moment. But let me talk about Eros again, how it's not just about physical intimacy, okay? It's not, uh, marriage shouldn't just be about that, right? Without what we talked about last week, agape love, we can skew and distort Eros love. And so without the selflessness of agape love and understanding what it was meant for, then it can be used in a wrong way. And that's my second point is, eros intensifies with selflessness, agape love. And it is diminished by selfishness. So good eros takes work. As we talked about, agape love is the love of will, a love of choice. It's not just about feeling and emotion, right? And so, in order for good Eros love to take place, there has to be the agape love. Someone once said to me uh, that uh, good Eros love, or someone said that sex starts in the kitchen sometimes for most for most women, right? Like they're just not ready, you know, right off the bat at the end of the night like men think that they should be. Uh, maybe this isn't gender-specific, maybe a man's like that or something like that too. But what I'm saying is is that, you know, sometimes someone needs to be loved in, in a selfless way and served in the language in which they feel loved before they even feel like taking it to this place of Eros, right? And that's where Agape and Eros work together, those two loves of the, the the love of choice and the love of passion should work together to make it work, right, but sadly, our world is confused about uh, this type of love right they don't They don 't think that there needs to be this this uh, unconditional committed type of love to be able to have eros in right and we're used to that right, even in our own lives, like we fall in and out of love. With things all the time, right? Like with food. Like I have all these diets I do and like, man, this food's so great. You should try it. I found a lifelong diet that is going to last me forever. And after about a month of eating salads, I'm just like, this is terrible. I can't eat it anymore. I don't love it anymore. And I move on to the next thing. Or my 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 kids at home, my son, my teenage son, I'm sorry to bring this up, Jaden, but like there are times when I'm very picky about some of the food I have, you know? Like, I don't go all the way as to writing my name on the the stuff in the fridge, but, like, I'm like, this is, this is healthy organic food like and it costs a lot of money and you're okay with ramen. Don't be trying to eat my my expensive food, right? And he really desires it when he can't get it, right? He really wants it. By the time I'm sick of it, I say, hey son, you can have some. He's like, he starts having it for a little while and now we've got all this expired organic health food that nobody will eat because he doesn't want it anymore because why? It's so easy to get now. It's not that thing that he couldn't have have. It wasn't hard to get anymore, right? We are like that, right? We, we fall in and out of love with things all the time. And the world the world kind of teaches us to do that and that it's okay. Uh, but in, as we go back to the Song of Songs, we, we'll be able to see in, in the woman in particular, there's this, this insecurity possibly that that could be happening, so we'll go to chapter five. I slept, but my heart was awake. So she's, this is like a dream. When I heard my lover knocking and calling. And then in verse six, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. And so she's having this dream and she's she's almost envisioning maybe maybe there was a fight that happened right maybe maybe there was uh some things going on where she wasn't feeling loved and 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 in her heart she's feeling like her her lover her husband isn't anywhere to be found and that there's gonna there's a rift in the relationship and and I just want you to know that in this book it has the reality it's not just you know gumdrops and lollipops and rainbows and butterflies in this marriage relationship but there are issues that have to get past right like all of us bring insecurities to our relationships. We come together with all this baggage that has to be worked through and we, we combine it together in this marriage and sometimes that causes fights and we have differences in, in personalities and preferences and so we've got to learn how to get through some of the insecurities in our marriages so that Eros love can work Well, and so you know, as we've talked about, you know, different people uh, feel love in different ways, like words of affirmation and physical touch and all that type of stuff. We see in the Song of Songs in chapter seven, he gives his wife what she needs in order for their passion to continue. There's several times, and all throughout the book, they are praising each other's body parts, giving words of affirmation. If you go read Song of Songs chapter 7 for yourself and 5, uh, there's seven different body parts that or no, that's nine, nine different body parts. I'm sorry, that, that seven up there was throwing me off. But nine, nine different body parts that he praises her for. And uh, I mean, just a little disclaimer, me and my wife, you know, have made a practice of reading this together a couple times, and, and sometimes it's fun because it, there's some old-fashioned sayings about how they praise each other, uh, and, and you snicker a little bit through, through some of these things, like saying, you know, your nose is like as high as a tower or something. Like, I don't know if that would be... You know, a compliment, you know, now, but back then it was. You should go, go read it. Like, you'll have a great time, I promise you. But there is, there is this, this, this idea of the husband learning to know his wife and to love her in the way that she needs to feel loved. And vice versa, the wife is doing the same with him and praising him and loving him in the way that he needs to feel loved all throughout the book. And that kind of brings up the idea for us is how does this apply to us? Well, we need to give our spouse what he or she needs in the relationship so that our eros can be continued to be uh, lit as a as a bright flame, right? We need to continue to love with the agape love, the thing that doesn't come natural, the thing that takes choice, the thing that takes work. Often we say love is not just a feeling; it's also a choice, right? We've got to choose to love in some ways so that our spouses can feel loved, and then we can come together and have uh, greater love. And so we need to learn to encourage and to praise and not criticize our spouses. We need to know how to know them, right? There's a biblical version of the word know, and it's not just to have information about. That's part of it. Know your spouse so well that you can praise them in different areas, even their little quirks and their little things that you know might not be attracted to everyone else. You, can, you know them in such an intimate way that you know all their flaws and their mistakes and their faults, the good parts about them and the bad parts, and you love them and you encourage and you praise. And here's one of my favorite verses uh, when, when um, doing uh, marriage counseling. First Peter says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, right? Now, I think this means two different things. It means, number one, live with our spouses with grace, right? When there's things that come up that bother us or we get easily offended by things or if we know what sets them off, we should know and be smart enough to try to not do those things or to try to give grace for them when they do those things to us, okay? But the other thing is this, understand your spouse, Understand them, know them in such a deep, intimate way that when you guys do come together to love each other or when you guys are even in a struggle because you guys know each other so much, those little things that pop up aren't such a big deal. And what do I mean by knowing your spouse in a deeper way? I mean, you've got to do the things that that, that helps them feel loved, right? Go on dates, right? It's Valentine's Day. Go on a date tonight if you can or, or pick a time when you can go uh, renew your vows if that's something that you need to do uh, to help bring the security back into your marriage so that every little thing isn't such a big deal because security is a huge issue in marriage and whatever you do, please, God, for the sake of love, do not bring up the D word, okay? And I know that we've all probably been guilty of that. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, okay? But but including myself, but what I am saying is this. Don't bring that up because I want you to know that it it shouldn't be an option when it comes to struggling in your marriage. Especially as a Christian, don't say, well, that's an option. And then don't say those words because... I know you know how insecure it can make a person feel. You know, you had this covenant, right? You, you fought so hard and you've gone through so much together. And after so long, this word can be brought up. And you think that this covenant relationship can be destroyed by, by something. And that, that brings so much insecurity that is hard to repair when you use that word. When you throw it around flippantly like it's an option, it's not an option. Know your spouse well enough to know what to say and what to do and how to love them. She says, after all those praises that he says about her, she says, I am my lovers and he claims me as his own. There's a security, right? Like, I know he loves me and I am, I am okay with being his and him claiming me. And I and he is okay okay with me claiming him and being mine because we know each other deeply and we love each other and and all throughout this book right this this passionate love is portrayed. The last verse of Song of Songs says, "Come away, my love, be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spice." And now that would. I like to think of it as the last verse is still talking about still doing those things. So maybe you've been here for a while, you've been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years even and wondering where the passion has gone in your marriage. Well, you can work for it with the agape love so that you can have that passion. It is important to keep the eros love continuing on. Now, now that I've made it through all of that, for all of you who are like, you know why am i here <laughs> why am i here today uh i'm i uh, this doesn't really apply to me uh i want to say that it does in two two ways uh and the first is this today's culture has a distorted view of eros love god's message is to not awaken love until the time is right you see as sex has been distorted over the years, even back in the Greek culture, it hasn't stopped. It's been ever since the invention of sex that God created, it has been twisted. That is what sin has done to the world. It's been manipulated to draw us in, right? It never has it been so easy as it is now to be able to access pictures of, Our videos on our phones and on the internet and social media and television and billboards are constantly trying to draw us away with this distorted view of Eros love. But God's standard, as we're going back to his way and how it should be enjoyed as the gift in the first point, God's standard is... That it is only to be enjoyed in the covenant relationship of a marriage between a man and a woman. Anything outside of that is called sin. And I know we hate hearing about this word sin, but let's just be straightforward and honest. That's what it is. That's what the Bible calls it. It's called sexual immorality or sexual sin. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. In the context of this verse, it's saying if you are a Christian... It says the Holy Spirit dwells in you and now you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't go take something that God made holy now and go use it for profane ways. That is the opposite of being holy and set apart is used for something that everybody else does for profane and disgusting ways. Don't use your body for those things if you are a Christian Run from sexual sin. Run from immorality. Wait to use it in the proper place. Here's a story of one of our pastors uh, at Alpine um, who um, told us this story as we were talking through the sermon. He said, him and his wife planned a wedding. It was in a July. I I don't know how long they've been married now. Probably like 10 or 13 years or something. But their wedding was planned for July. But everything was getting a little hot and heavy and they were they were probably 7 or 8 months out from the wedding and so they decided that they wanted to honor god and they said let's move our wedding up they moved it all the way up to january so, six or seven months, they moved their wedding up, and maybe they didn't have their picture perfect wedding on the the ocean beach, looking over a cliff with hundreds of people there to watch and spectate right like if we could all have had that wedding and go back, that would be amazing. None of us have that type of money, right but but I, maybe they didn't have the per picture perfect wedding that they had planned, but I would hope that as Christians that we would we would say that what's more important than having a perfect one-time moment in my life is to continuously honor God with my life. I would hope that, that we, we, would, we would choose to want to honor God in our lives. In the Song of Songs, three different places, it uses the wording that I used in the point. It says this, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to wa- awaken love until the time is right. Purity before marriage is important. We shouldn't awaken Eros love until the time is right in the marriage, right? So if you're single, you should be waiting for your future spouse to enjoy that with. If you're married, you should continue to honor the relationship in the covenant and only seek Eros love between you and your spouse, not from a phone, not from a computer, not from YouTube, not from any other person outside of your marriage. We need to be fighting for our marriages. And if you're a young person here today, I know how easy it is to be pulled away with this idea of it's okay, everybody's doing it, right? Everybody's doing it, it's normal, it's natural, it's a natural impulse. And, and what I'm trying to say to you is that God through his spirit wants us to fight some of our natural impulses because our natural impulses are to go against God and to sin. And there's a reward for doing this by honoring God God gives us favor. He gives us blessing. He created it to be within boundaries. And when we live inside of his boundaries, there is blessing inside that. That's why he created that way. says this in Song of Songs 8.10, I was like a virgin like a wall. When my lover looks at me, he is delighted with what he sees. There is a security in which when two people come together uh, and they know that they've saved themselves, uh, that there's something extremely special. Now let me say this. Maybe we have failed. And I say we because I'm, I can include myself in this. We have, not everybody has you know, had a perfect upbringing or had the knowledge of God or believed in God. And before we come to knowing the truth about what he says in his word, and I want you to understand that there is forgiveness, there is grace for that, right? Maybe maybe it was robbed of you, right? Maybe it wasn't even your own decision, but it was robbed of you. And, and, and in my own life, because of things that happened to me when I was younger, it led me on a path of looking for this love in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places. And it led to deep pain in my life and, and it led to addiction in my life. And so I want you to know that I understand and God is forgiving and He is loving. And if He can use me and change me and clean me up and and uh, if He can uh, bring my wife to me to, 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 to give me healing in this area that I needed so long ago, then He can do the same in your life. I don't want you to leave here feeling condemned and man, that guy just really was all about morality and sin because that's not, I'm just sharing God's Word. We gotta talk about the whole counsel of God here, right? I'm not trying to bring you in with hooks of god is great and wonderful and you can live however you want and then try to change the story up on you but this is the truth of god's word and my job is to bring it and i stand here as a a regular man a sinner who has failed at so many things including this one but I can tell you today that there's been love and forgiveness and restoration in my life through believing in Jesus Christ and what he did, that he died on the cross to save me, to set things right, so now I can know how to live in his, his blessing and live in the boundaries in which he created and man, it is wonderful. I know for a person who doesn't believe, they're like, man, that sounds lame, right? To follow all these ways and rules. And I don't expect a person who doesn't believe in, in Jesus to really understand how wonderful it is to live in the blessing of God and to follow the, the one who created us knows how we operate best. And let me tell you that there, I'm gonna close with this. there is, there is nothing that can separate you from God's love. As I said, Song of Songs is about a fiery passion that God also has for his people. And did you know that marriages are an illustration for his covenant and love for you and for me? In the Song of Songs in in chapter 8, love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many, Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. God loves us with a Fiery passion that can't be quenched or put out by anything, anyone, not even our own sin and our mistakes that we have made in our own lives. He died for us while we were still sinners, and He has come to make us right through Jesus Christ. Nothing could stop His love for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. And you are the church if you are a believer. Not a building, but you are a church if you are a believer in Christ. The illustration in which God gave us through this beautiful thing of marriage and and intimacy in that oneness relationship is the very picture in which God wants with us. Okay, and so it's no wonder why we want to fight for marriage and purity because it is sacred, it is holy, it is an institution set up by God himself and it reflects his love for you and me in that covenant that we have with him together. Let me show you one last verse. Jesus, before he left earth, he was talking to the Father about this wonderful intimacy that he wants with us. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be, all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such a perfect unity that the world will, not, will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus wants to bring us right into this oneness relationship with the triune God. And the picture of that that we can see as an illustration on earth is marriages between a man and a woman. And the covenant that we have. Let us hold marriage to a high standard and fight to keep them holy. Let us use Eros love in the way that it was meant to be. Let us seek intimacy with our passionate God through believing in Jesus Christ and glorifying Him all the days of our life. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we are so amazed at your words and your love for us. The difference between the covenants we have here on earth with our spouses and and you is that you're perfect and we're not. And that even though we've strayed against you and we've committed adultery against you and we don't treat our spouses with the agape love that you show us and we don't love other people as much as you loved us. Even though we've gone against you in so many ways, God, that covenant can't be broken. You love us with this fiery passion. Help us to understand that and know that about you, God. And and when we can understand that and know that, it'll help us to want to live to honor you because we love you back. When a person loves someone back, they they do the things that they're they're they know that the person will feel loved by God and and we can show you we love you by following you following your words and trusting that what you said is true and right for my life and believing that I have sinned and gone against you, but that you sacrificed your son to save me. So let us take that message as we leave here today, God, and love our spouses and hold marriage to a high standard and love you back with a passionate love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.